Welcome to the Brave Church Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. Our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. If you want to partner with us, or if you're interested in more information, head over to brave.church to find out more. There you'll see resources to help kids learn more about Jesus, discussion guides for this talk, as well as ways our Brave Compassion team is responding to needs in this season. To catch the full Brave release, including worship and other updates, check out this talk on YouTube. Now, thanks for joining us. We hope this talk helps you find and follow Jesus. Hey, welcome to Brave Church. We're so glad that you're joining us today. And whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on podcasts or seeing this 20 years in the future, I'm probably dead. But I'm Darren Laws, and I'm one of our lead pastors, and I'm so glad that you're joining us. And I just want to say, if you're new to the whole church thing and just kind of checking things out, thanks for tuning in. Or if you've been following Jesus since Noah, you're welcome to. You know, one of the things that I believe is regardless of what we believe, we all share a common desire to grow and make our lives better. Jesus changed my life many years ago, and he's still changing it today. And I'm so excited to continue in our series, Think Different. Last weekend, we began a fascinating new series about our thinking and the role our thoughts play in creating our lives. And if you missed last week's talk, well, that might be because you haven't subscribed to our channel yet. Make sure to do so, but go back and watch week one. It's a really important talk that sets the tone for what the Bible teaches about how our thoughts impact our lives. You know, one of my favorite stories of all time is called The Keeper of the Spring. The story took place in a small village in the Alps. It was a good village. It was filled with friendly people. The, the area went through an economic downturn. Uh, the village had began to fall back on repairs, and the community was having you know, financial problems. And so they called a council meeting to review the village budget. And as they reviewed all the employees, they found that there was this man that was receiving funds with only the title given to his job, Keeper of the Spring. No one knew him personally. They just knew he was an old man who lived up in the mountains right above the village. And his only task was keeping the debris out of the town's water supply. Now, most felt, uh, not knowing the history of his being hired, that it was a benevolent gift. You know, just helping a nice old man. But it seemed to be a benevolent gesture that the town could no longer afford, and so they cut his stipend. A little boy was sent as a runner to inform the man, and so the old man moved back into the village to live with his niece. And at first, everything seemed fine. I mean, for two or three years later, it, it, it was fine. But then as the years went by, something began to happen, and the townspeople began to suffer an extraordinary amount of sickness. Some even died. And so little by little, the town was filled with misery. So they call a town hall meeting regarding the health of their village, and they discovered that the sickness could be linked to the water supply. So they all called for the reinstatement of the keeper of the spring. And the old man went back to work cleaning out the spring that fed the water supply. And after considerable time, health began to return to the village people. The moral of the story is this. You are the keeper of your spring. You are the keeper of your thoughts in your heart. You're in charge. What you think is up to you. King Solomon, who the Bible describes as the wisest man to ever live, said this in Proverbs 4, above all else, guard your heart, 
for it affects everything you do. In your stream of thought, you have the power to decide what to keep and what to filter out. Self-defeating thoughts filled with debris will depress and discourage you. They will move in and they'll occupy your mind and crowd out the presence of God in your life. Unchecked thoughts will take away from your dearest relationships, your family, your home, and the life you've dreamed of building. Wrong thinking will never stop until you tell it to. Our core verse for this series gives us a powerful truth, so powerful it's really hard to overstate how important it is. Proverbs 23, 7. It says, For as a person thinks, as he thinks in his heart, so he is. As a person thinks, as she thinks in her heart, so she is. Our lives are built, for better or worse, by the thoughts that we think. I think you're watching and listening because, like me, you want to grow. You want to thrive. You want to live all of the life you were created to live. But why is it that so many of us can relate to, whether right now or at different points, the feeling that our lives are slowly or steadily drifting away from what we hope for? We start out with great dreams and hopes and Over time, the hard knocks of life, the stressful seasons that seem to never end, and the constant daily demands keep us pushed down. Many people are feeling that. Their lives are out of control. From a recent New York Times article on mental health, Dr. Jerry Berger, a psychologist at the University of Santa Clara, he says this, we have a deep need to feel competent to be in control of our environment. It is one of the primary motives in behavior. The rise in uncertainty in nearly every important area of life this last year has caused many to feel out of control. Thoughts of fear, anxiety, and discouragement are at an all-time high. The truth is we cannot control what's happening in the world. There is so much in our lives that we have no control over but we can take back control of our minds. It's time to take back your mind. Because here's the truth. When you take back your mind, you take back your life. A man was leaving his village, and he was moving to another village way up in the mountains, and halfway there, he stopped an old woman along the road, and he, and he said, excuse me to the old woman. Yes, she said, what kinds of people live up in the village there at the edge of the mountain? Why, she asked. Well, I'm going to move there, so can you tell me what kind of people live there? And she asked, well, what kind of people lived in the village you used to live in? Oh, he said, you know, the people that lived there, they were gossips, and all they did was talk about other people. They were very unkind people. And she said, then you'll find the same kind of people in the village where you're going. A little later, Another man came traveling by on the same road, and he too asked the old woman, what kind of people live up in the village where I'm headed? And she asked, well, what kind of people lived in the village you used to live in? Oh, they were some of the most beautiful people. It hurt my heart to leave them. They were the the kindest people, the most caring people that I've ever met. And she said, then you will find those same kinds of people in the village to which you're moving to. Every healthy person has developed a wholesome pattern of thinking. 
we tend to find what we're looking for. Psychologists tell us that 22 million thoughts per year, that's how many we have, and that 98% of those thoughts are the same ones that you had yesterday. Chicago Research Center Mental Health said that 9 out of 10 thoughts are all negative. But there's hope. According to the Bible, we can take back control of our thoughts. So I want to share with you three ways to take back your mind. Number one, Use Scripture to filter out bad thoughts. Throughout God's Word, we are taught to filter our thoughts, to know the difference between the spirit of wisdom, our human flesh, or the influence of evil. And the book of James describes this so well. It says in James chapter 3, If you are wise and understand God's ways, live a life of steady goodness so that only good deeds will pour forth. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, listen to this, pure. It's also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no partiality and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Think of a situation in your life right now where you need wisdom. Go ahead, just think of it. Years ago, I was praying about how could I know which thoughts to take captive and which ones to allow them to lead me. And looking at this scripture, this led me to what I call the wisdom filter that I often use. You can see it on the screen, but it's also in the Brave Group notes this week if you want to download those. Let's say I'm trying to make a decision on what would be the smart thing to do, and a thought comes to my mind. I take that thought or that idea, and I send the thought through the wisdom filter by asking, is this thought that I'm having, is it pure, peace-loving, gentle? Is my heart willing to yield? Is my heart humble? Or is my thinking arrogant or self-centered? What would be the merciful thing to do? Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Am I showing partiality if I do this? Am I sincere or being manipulative? If I say or do this, what will be the outcome? What will it sow? Let's say I need to talk with someone and confront them about something that they have said or done that maybe has hurt my feelings. I will process my feelings through this wisdom filter. It'll go something like, Darren, what are your motives? Are they pure? Do I want the best for this person? And am I trying uh, just to make my point, even if it makes them feel bad? Darren, are you willing to yield? There may be another side to this story. Once I share, I hear something from their perspective, I may think differently. Am I willing to admit I could be the one at fault? Darren, will you be merciful and gentle with your words? Take any conversation you're about to have with anyone, and you can filter your thoughts through this wisdom filter. I'll show you another way to filter and select healthy thoughts. For example, how do I know whether a thought is from a good source or a bad source? Galatians chapter 5, it says in verse 13, I advise you to live according 
to your new life in the Holy Spirit. The old sinful nature loves to do evil. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. My grandma used to say, Darren, there are two German shepherds living inside each one of us. One is called spirit and one is called flesh. And whichever one you feed the most wins the fight that day. Verse 22, but when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, our minds, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Think of a reoccurring habit that you have, a temptation, a relationship struggle that you're having. What are you thinking about that situation? Now send your thoughts through this filter. Is this thought that I'm having, is it loving? If I act on this thought, will this create more joy in my heart or more guilt? Does this thought in my mind, if I listen to it, will it create peace in me and in others if I follow through with it? Is this a kind thought or a good thought? If this thought is spoken out loud, am I being faithful to my friends or others? Think about this. A wise person with good judgment, a smart person who makes good decisions, both of them have reliable filters in place. Learning to select the best thoughts determine the quality of the choices that you make. For instance, a woman may stay with an abusive husband if she believes she deserves it, or if she believes that her abusive husband really is a good person and didn't mean to do it, or that she's, she's really the one at fault. When a person believes unkind thoughts about themselves, they will punish themselves. If you want to change your life, take back your mind. If you want to change how you feel about your life, you can take back your mind. In July of 2018, 12 boys from a soccer team and their coach were trapped two and a half miles underneath the earth in a cave. There were whole sections of the cave that were underwater. Maybe you remember it. Many of the boys did not know how to swim as we watched their struggle on television. Reporters began to speculate on the impact of this ordeal. What would it leave on the boys if any of them survived? I watched a news interview with a psychologist who answered that question. He said, the emotional health of these young people who are trapped will be determined by which story they choose after it's all over. What they choose to think about the event. They can either see themselves as helpless victims who were terrorized and traumatized by this event, or they can think, we can overcome anything. I mean, we were trapped two and a half miles under the earth and I couldn't even swim and I made it out. I can do anything. The way you think about the events of your life will determine your story. This is throughout the Bible. Remember, Proverbs 23, verse 7, it says, For as a person thinks, as he thinks in his heart, so he is or she is. Whatever is allowed to remain in the stream of your thoughts shapes your whole life. It's like a dirt clod put in a, in a glass of water. It affects everything. If you want to take control of your mind, number one, use Scripture to filter out bad thoughts. 
And then number two, journal what you're thinking. You know, one of the most practical and objective tools for clearing the fog and seeing what's really going on in your mind is keeping a journal. Now, I know you go, oh, I don't like to write. Just wait a minute. If you start journaling what you're thinking about, you're going to be so surprised. Maybe you've heard of like a food journal or you use an app, you know, to keep track of, of what you're eating. That's really a great thing. But a lot of health experts have said to us that keeping track of eating is healthy, but also keeping track of your thoughts can be healthy. If you want to take a hard look at your thought patterns and really evaluate how do you really think all day, just get a journal or open up a note in your phone and just try it. Just try it for three days. You know, not every little thought, but you know, the main reoccurring themes in your day, you're going to be so surprised. And, and whenever you notice you're starting to feel like a strong emotion or a negative feeling or a positive, write it down. You may be in for a surprise to see what you think throughout your day. This is one of the best and most practical ways I know to get to the bottom of how we're thinking. If you want to change your thinking, you have to start with an honest look at how you're thinking. You'll find areas where you may be stuck. For example, there's a difference between mourning and moaning. Mourning is healing because it leads to wholeness and joy and recovery. Moaning is self-pity because it leads to complaining discouragement, and depression. A lot of people build memorials out of their tragedy, or worse yet, museums of grief in their minds. Once you see how you're thinking, you can decide if I want to get past this. Do I want to get healthy? And if you're journaling thoughts that are overly critical or suspicious, you'll begin to see how that's affecting your ability to develop meaningful friendships. If you find your thoughts are a little too self-focused or maybe greedy, you'll see how your thinking is keeping you from a bigger, more generous life. If all you think about is material things and, uh, and less about living a significant life, you'll see that, wow, you'll see that when you write it down. All of those heart changes and more start first with taking an honest look at your thought life. And I would just encourage everyone to... Get involved in a brave group, but uh, especially if you're not in one right now. They just started a week ago, so it's not too late to do that. But this is a great homework assignment this week. Even if your group meets earlier in the week, and that only gives you one or two days to do this, just write down your thoughts for a day, uh, and if you can, for three days, and then share with your group what you're learning about yourself and the way that you think with your brave group. I'm convinced we could all use some encouragement from one another. You know, I heard uh, about a place in England where they have this phone a compliment. If you're, you know, feeling down or unappreciated, you just call the number and someone will compliment you. I called it. Uh, the line was busy. I'm just, I'm just kidding. It's time to take back your mind. Number one, you know, use scripture to filter out bad thoughts. And then number two, journal what you're thinking. And now number three, lastly, accept the peace of Christ. Philippians 4, verse 7, it says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, In this life you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. 
I've told you these things so that in me, he said, that you may have peace. Let go and trust Jesus with your life. Many of us are carrying a heavy weight of stress and uncertainty. Jesus doesn't force his peace on us. We have to be willing to accept it. Whether for the first time or billions of times over and over, every day is a new day to accept peace and push out bad thinking. In a relationship with Jesus, we learn to let God be God and we choose to resign from worrying about all the things that we can never control. Would you like to place your trust in Jesus Christ? I'm gonna pray a prayer for all of us and you can make this prayer yours as well. Father in heaven, Lord, I come to you as a fellow struggler with my thoughts and with my thinking and just admitting that so often they're full of fear and worry and anxiety. But Lord, I can't control much of anything in my life, but I can control my own thoughts and my own attitudes. And today I come to you just recognizing again afresh that I am not God and I so desperately need a savior. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all the ways that I've taken control of my life. I've not looked to you. I've not asked you for help, but I need a savior. Lord, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I ask you to come into my heart and today I make a decision to begin to follow you, to learn your word, to grow in what it means to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for the Brave Church Podcast. If this ministry is impacting you, please consider giving to support what God is doing through our church. For questions or to get connected, please visit brave.church. We'll see you next week.